Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. I'm glad you are with me. If you're just tuning in, uh, and it sounds a little off, I will tell you, my whole family, we we all got sick. Uh, The kids got it first, and then I got it. Uh, Now my wife is getting it, and uh, we're all mostly over it. I was trying to get a steroid pack from my doctor, but... They want me to make an appointment to come in and see him before they do. And I just, I, I'm going to suck it up because I don't have enough time to go to a doctor's appointment. But nonetheless, so I've got this this congestion and, and sinus pressure, but I'm I'm not sick anymore, contagious in that sense. It's just, you know how we, when, you, when you get over a cold, you cough more after you're better than during the process of it. And it's one of those things, not COVID. Um, everybody got tested. All of us were negative. I was kind of afraid that's what it was, but it's just... Uh, rhinovirus has been spreading around and um, it's turned into a sinus infection with my kids and me. And now my poor wife is in bed and, and, you know, given her lung cancer, when she gets something like this, it wipes her out more than the rest of us. So I've got to go be on uh, gate duty at my daughter's volleyball game tonight for people coming into the game. And it just, my goodness, uh, when you get one of these things coming through your house, but that's why if, if I sound a little off, it's not your radio, uh, maybe, uh, it's it's my voice. Nonetheless, I'm going to go where angels fear to where where other talk radio show hosts may tre- fear to tread. I'm going to go there. And to do this, I got I got to caveat something with you. I am about to talk about a topic of which I profess great ignorance going into it. I say that out of the gate so that you understand a couple of things. I have done the research to make myself knowledgeable on the topic so that I can explain it to you because this is a topic that's not getting talked about and must be talked about. But I'm not an expert. I do, however, know that I have a ton of very, very smart listeners some of whom are probably experts at this and can chime in on this. But it's actually becoming a really big story, and so I need to give you the overview and have done the research necessary to try to explain to you what's going on. We need to talk about quantitative tightening because it's happening, and the problem is nobody knows how to model it. What the heck is this, Erickson? Let me explain this to you. Back during the housing and economic crisis in 2008, the Federal Reserve essentially is designed to ensure through monetary policy that the U.S. economy operates as efficiently as possible. And its number one goal is to battle inflation, number two, to ensure maximum employment. In 2008, 2009, during the financial crisis of the time, uh, there was a problem with mortgage-backed securities. Uh, The bond market went into turmoil, and the Federal Reserve began doing something called what they called quantitative easing. And essentially, what the Fed did is it used your tax dollars to go out and buy up mortgage-backed securities, bonds, and stocks, What was the result? They were putting money into the economy. 
If they bought a mortgage-backed security, they were buying it from someone. So they took money that originated at the Fed that they produced. They gave that money to a bank. In exchange, the bank gave the mortgage-backed security to the Fed. And the bank had this money with which to invest. And so the Federal Reserve's holdings grew their balance sheet exploded because they were suddenly holding all these bonds, government bonds, treasuries, corporate bonds, stocks, mortgage-backed securities, and they were constantly reinvesting the money. As dividends were paid, as payments were paid, their feds were just plowing it back in. And the balance sheets continued to grow. And the result was a production of money. And critics at the time told the Federal Reserve, if you're not careful, this could add to inflation because you're essentially manufacturing money and then putting it into the hands of banks and other investors and you're buying their stocks and their bonds and their mortgage-backed securities. The Federal Reserve's first way to fight inflation is to raise interest rates. Interest rates have been virtually zero. I told you guys, I, I got a, I bought a car last year, and I think my interest rate was like 0.5 or 0.7%. It was a really good deal. I mean, I know people who have, have mortgage rates at like 2.5%. I think mine's like 2.75, something like that. Never refinance again. But the Fed has decided to raise its rates. Now, let me explain to you how it raises its rates. Uh, so the Federal Reserve's rates that they raise, the federal funds rate, that's how they fight inflation. It makes it harder for money to flow into the economy. Why? Because banks have to pay back to the Federal Reserve more interest when they take money from the Federal Reserve. So a bank borrows money from the Federal Reserve at 1%. Well, the bank does not have to spend a lot of money it has in the free market uh, to pay the interest. But now the federal fund rate goes up to 3 or 4%. Suddenly it's got uh, more money that it's got to spend to the Fed. That takes more money out of the economy. That reduces inflation because it shrinks the availability and the supply of money in the market that in part their qualitative easing put into the market when they bought up all these stocks and bonds. So by raising interest rates, the Fed slows the economy down by taking money out of the economy. Well, now the Federal Reserve has begun qualitative tightening as well. What is qualitative tightening? Well, where qualitative quantitative easing is the Fed buys up securities, Quantitative tightening is where the Fed begins to shed those bonds. They allow them to expire. You know, a bond has a payment that, that at the end of time uh, goes away, that the bond is paid. What the Fed had been doing is, is taking the payments on the bonds that the Fed got from these companies and reinvesting them to prolong the bonds. And now that they've dropped out, they're saying, we're not going to do this anymore. As, as a bond reached maturity date, we're not going to renew it. We're just going to let it cash out. And we're going to pull that money and keep it out of the free market. We're going to keep it back at the Federal Reserve so it's not in circulation anymore. 
So quantitative tightening will reduce the availability and supply of money in the market as bonds are paid out and their payments are made to the Fed and the Fed takes the money for that payment and says, this money isn't now going back out to banks. We're going to get rid of this money. This money's going to go away. That reduces the supply of the American dollar. It's one of the reasons, in addition to higher interest rates, you're seeing the dollar surge. For years and years growing up, the dollar was, it's always the reserve, uh, the reserve currency. The reserve currency means that other countries keep U.S. dollars in reserve. China is trying to rival us in this. Russia is trying to help them. But by and large, uh, the American dollar is the gold standard around the world for currency because the American Constitution requires the full faith and credit of the United States be used to pay the debts. You know you're not going to be defaulted uh, if on a $1 bill. All a $1 bill is is essentially saying that uh, I'm going to get this, this note that I have in my hand, this dollar bill, is a Federal Reserve note, meaning that I can take it and the Federal Reserve will transfer to you an actual real dollar, not this piece of paper, but we treat the paper as as the currency. Around the world, countries value American dollars because they know we're not going to go default. We're, We're going to pay our debts because we have a constitutional obligation to do so. And so company, country, stockpile dollars. When I was a kid growing up overseas, Every other currency in in the West tended to be more valuable than ours. The British pound for years has been way more valuable than the dollar. It's it's only very recently that we can buy more stuff in Europe than Europeans can buy here. This is great for Americans who want to travel abroad right now because you can go to Europe right now and you can buy a lot of stuff in Europe with one American dollar. It used to be that you could come to this country, but this was before the euro and even after the euro, the euro was more than the dollar. So if I went to Europe, my dollar could only buy, let's say, 75 cents in Europe. Now we can go to Europe and our dollar buys us $1.50 worth of stuff. And the Europeans used to be able to come to this country and buy $1.50 worth of stuff on on. Uh, a single euro, and now their euro here buys about 75 cents. I'm not looking at the exact currency equation. Spare me the emails. You're just trying to make a point here to explain to you that the dollar is now far more valuable as a currency than these others, and that tends to actually be a drain on us long-term when the American dollar is so much more expensive than other currencies. Usually, we devalue our currency, and that's a good thing for trade around the world. But right now, because of the quantitative tightening, because of interest rates, because of economic situations around the world, the dollar is higher than these other currencies. Now, I realize I'm boring you with a lot of this stuff, but you've got to understand this because there is a problem. The Federal Reserve has never engaged in qualitative tightening before like this. In other words, they're reducing the amount of money in circulation to contain inflation It's going to cause the addition of more interest rate hikes. And no economist knows how to model what's happening. There are some who think it's going to be no big deal. There are a lot of economists who are worried it could cause a deflationary event, which would actually not be good. If we just froze inflation, like inflation didn't go down, it didn't go up, 
Everything just kind of stayed the same for a while. Eventually, our wages would catch up to prices. But if prices begin to collapse because of quantitative tightening and we have a depressionary event, then suddenly you're making more money than companies are bringing in and you all lose your jobs and companies go out of business. There are economists who are deeply worried that we don't know the effects of raising interest rates and tightening the Federal Reserve's books as well. It's a great unknown. Now, I will tell you, a lot of people that I respect say, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. They're experts. They know what they're doing. But I will tell you this, some loud and prominent voices on Wall Street and abroad are saying that what the Fed is doing could wreck our economy, and they not mean to. They're trying to soften the landing of inflation, but they could actually wind up hurting the economy, and we don't, we won't see it until it's here. When you add into this, this situation, have you heard the story from Bank of America? Bank of America has decided they're going to give no down payment, zero interest loans or some such to uh, minorities or very low interest loans. You're not going to have to be qualified. You're just going to go in. You're going to be able to get the loan. We're creating another housing crisis on top of the existing problems. Uh, by doing this, it may make the federal, it may make Bank of America feel good, but if these people default on their loans, we're gonna have to bail out the banks again. On top of that, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh this morning said we have another problem that we don't have enough available workers to fill all the jobs in the economy and that that's contributing to inflation as people are having to raise prices on goods in order to get more money to be able to hire more workers at a higher rate. So we still have inflationary concerns in the economy because we have such a tight labor market. While the Federal Reserve is trying to bring down inflation, we've got two sides of the economy now. They're working not in tangent with each other. They're working uh, at cross purposes with each other. And we've never been in a situation like that in the American economy. We've never been in a situation like this in the economy where the Fed is engaged in quantitative tightening while raising interest rates, while there's a labor shortage, not an oversupply of labor that heads to layoffs. On top of that, we now have junk loans are beginning to be defaulted at a very high interest rate. Defaults on so-called leverage loans hit $6 billion in August, the highest monthly total since October 2020 when pandemic shutdowns hobbled the economy. According to Fitch Ratings, the figure represents a fraction of the sprawling loan market, but more defaults are coming. All of this is to say, the Democrats feel like they have the wind at their backs right now. They feel like they have momentum. And a recession is coming. And maybe something worse is coming. You know, the Dow has been down just about every single day except last Thursday since Jerome Powell spoke two weeks ago. There's only been, I think, one day the stock market's gone up. It's been trending down since. We're headed into really uncharted economic times. And the wind at the Democrats' backs might actually be a hurricane in the economy starting to build. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program is brought to you by our friends at First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. If you're in charge of the finances of a business and you're growing that business, you're buying a building, building a building, growing or expanding or buying a franchise, reach out to First Liberty. They do deals $750,000 and higher. 
And if you're in that price range and up, uh, they want to help you. They can get you to yes where a lot of banks are saying no. Go to firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're fit for them and them for you. Um, so Sunday night, over the weekend and then Sunday night, I got to sit on my front porch and watch football, college football. Now, if you're a longtime listener to this program, you you know that uh, one of the things I do regularly is I have friends come over on Sunday. I sit on my front porch, have cigars and bourbon, and we watch football until it goes away. And we're forced to watch, I don't know, we're supposed to talk to each other. It's one of the worst things is football goes away. Uh, you, you, we got hockey season, and hockey season lasts. I mean, does hockey season ever really go away? Uh, but there there will be nothing on it. It's very awkward. We actually have to make conversation with each other. Um, but football came back, and it was the FSU versus LSU game. And you should know I'm from Louisiana. And I grew up rooting for LSU. And my compromise living in Georgia is that I root for Georgia. And if LSU plays Georgia at Georgia, I root for Georgia. And if Georgia plays LSU at LSU, I root for LSU. That's my compromise I've made with myself. Feel free to criticize it. It's my personal choice. As someone who grew up in in Louisiana, someone who grew up an LSU fan, can we fire the coach, please? Please, can we get rid of the coach and his fake accent, please? Now, get rid of him now. That was, listen, that was a very exciting football game at the end. It really was. But it was also really bad football. And those of you at FSU... I don't know why you're cheering. Your team sucked too. I mean, they that was not good. It was a it was a compelling game at the end. LSU goes 97 yards to make a touchdown and would have tied the game, except they missed a second field goal in the game because FSU blocked it because LSU's defense just sucks. Um, their offense sucks too, but the defense it's just it was bad football. I'm not an expert in football. I, I was a middle-aged man before I really got into enjoying watching football with my friends. But I do now, and I can I can recognize it was a poorly played game all around by both sides. And now you've got that one LSU player who decided he would stay instead of um, going on to a different, uh, different college, and he's deleted every reference of LSU off his Instagram page. It was bad, y'all. It was really bad, like high school, junior varsity football. But it was one hell of a game there at the end, uh, missing a field goal, losing the game. But what is going? Can we get a new coach at LSU like today, please? Y'all, I, listen, I, I, I hate to keep dragging the poor girl, but um, um, wow, the the Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House presser, She's just not good at her job. I said the other day, this woman is like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Peter Ducey, Fox News, finally asked her the question. And I I, I got to set it up this way. Uh, Peter Ducey asked her a question. She says she knew the question was coming. So listen to her response. 
MAGA Republicans. You tweeted in 2016, oh, Trump stole an oh. election. You I was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, great. here we go. <laughs> you tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now, yeah. Why so let's that? let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have How been I have ridiculous? been well. You're asking me you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was Wait, ridiculous. I was. I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at. How was that an answer to the question, lady? <laughs> I'm speaking of a no. You weren't speaking to voting rights. You said Brian Kemp stole the election. Donald Trump stole the election. Jamie Raskin is a Democratic member of the January 6th committee. He was on TV this weekend. Listen to him. Two of the hallmarks of a fascist political party are, one, they don't accept the results of uh, elections that don't go their way, and two, they embrace political violence. And I think that's why President Biden was right to sound the alarm this week about these continuing attacks on our constitutional order from the outside by Donald Trump and his movement. Uh, Jamie Raskin uh, said that the 2000 election was stolen. And he objected to certifying the Electoral College in 2016 in Congress. I need to talk to you if you're a progressive. And I know I have people who hate listening to this show and uh, people on the left who just listen because they want to figure out what does a conservative actually think without listening to some of the, the chum in the water conservatives. Do you know, know what I mean when I say chum in the water conservatives? There are people on TV and radio who want to um, tell you exactly what you want to hear. They will never disagree with what you already think, nor will they challenge you because they want to affirm everything you say. Uh, and even if they privately think otherwise, uh, publicly what they will do is they'll focus on essentially throwing chum in the water to, to get the sharks going. They will throw you red meat. They will throw you the things and talk about the things and the topics that they think will give you the heart palpitations, make you red in the face, make you angry and keep you engaged. Say, that guy, he's on my side. And I just, I, I'm sorry, I used to do that. I did, but over time, I just thought it'd be more helpful for me to tell you what the hell is actually going on in the world than, than tell you what you want to hear even if it's wrong. There are way too many people in the world today who are convinced of the certitude of their righteousness when they're not right. And I would rather give you analysis and admit when I'm wrong, as I did in the last hour, admitting I was wrong on something, but try to just give you some analysis. Or I'll tell you what I think. I'll give you my strongly held opinion on stuff. But let me give you some analysis. And I now need to do that for those of you on the left who are listening to this program. Some of you really do believe that Donald Trump and Republicans are a threat to the nation. Some of you really do believe when Joe Biden says it is semi-fascism or Jamie Raskin says it's fascism, you really do think it's fascism that needs to be stopped. Do you know someone who does not believe it's fascism? 
Joe Biden doesn't. Joe Biden doesn't believe it's semi-fascism. Jamie Raskin, who went on television, a Democratic partisan in Congress on the January 6th commission, doesn't actually believe what he is saying. Now, I would, would never say, well, I have some secret knowledge into the depths of their conscience, and I can tell you when they don't believe what they're saying, even though they're adamant about it. No, no, that's not it. No, I can tell you they don't believe what they're saying because they are funding these very Republican candidates who they say are a threat to our society. Neither Jamie Raskin nor Joe Biden have criticized the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Governors Association, or the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the House campaign arm. Neither of them have said a damn thing about House Democrats, Senate Democrats, and uh, gubernatorial Democrats funding these Trump candidates they say are a threat to our republic. None of them have said anything to criticize this effort. In fact, they're donating to these groups so that these groups can do that. Why? Because they're trying to whip you into a frenzy, even though they don't believe it. I will be very honest with you. I keep nothing from my listeners. If anything, I am accused of oversharing. This happens on the right. There are a lot of people in Washington, D.C. who say the Trump line, who believe the Trump line, who performatively hump Donald Trump's leg for you like a little chihuahua, and they hate Donald Trump. Behind the scenes, they disparage him. Behind the scenes, they trash talk him. Behind the scenes, they think he's a moron. Behind the scenes, they think he does more harm than good. But in public... They hop onto his leg like a little dog in heat, ride his leg, and want everybody to know they are pro-Trump. They are the Trumpiest Trumpster, Trumper, leg-humping Trumper that could ever be. The Democrats do this as well. Democratic politicians do. And if you think they don't, you are a naive fool. Because Joe Biden himself with his speech is doing that. Joe Biden with his speech tried to divide the country. Joe Biden, with his speech, said that there's some sort of fascism. Uh, ultra MAGA man is on the rise, and it is a threat to our democracy and our Republican institutions and the Constitution, and yet Joe Biden runs a party that's funding these people. If you really believe they're that big of a threat, you're not going to be giving them millions of dollars, and the Democrats have spent about $50 million helping these people. Yes, it's true. They think because they can beat them, but if you really think they're that big of a threat, some of them are going to win. Some of these people will actually win. And you will be putting them in office. These people you think are the biggest threat. Because the reality here is this is partisan politics. The Democrats are saying these things. They're saying these things not because they believe them, but because they know the Democratic base does. They're drumming up violence from their own side. It's Donald Trump does not have uh, the, the singular superpower of making his supporters violent. Democrats do it all the time. I mean, for God's sakes, we had uh, James Hodgkinson show up to commit the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress. We had an assassin stand outside Brett Kavanaugh's house. 
We've had the riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and in in Minnesota, in Washington, D.C. On the day Donald Trump was inaugurated, there were riots through Washington, D.C. The Democrats turn a blind eye towards that sort of stuff. The Democrats are saying what they are saying, stirring a pot on anti-Republican sentiment in this country because they don't believe the Republicans are a threat to the country, but they want you to believe they are a threat to the country, so you vote Democrat. They're not offering you a future, and they're not offering you a platform. There's a story out today that essentially the Democrats are out campaigning on practical solutions for the future and an agenda. They're not really, though. They're not. If you're a Democrat, you may think they are, but really what they're doing is they're saying you can't vote for Republicans. The Republicans are going to destroy the country. The Republicans are fascists. If you give them power, they'll never give it up again. You you won't be able to drive them from office. I mean, you've got people talking about in Florida, if you don't stop Ron DeSantis, it's a defeat for democracy. So if a majority of voters in Florida vote for Ron DeSantis, it's a defeat for democracy that democratically a majority of the people voted for him. Apparently, that makes sense to Democrats these days. And they're talking heads in the press, some of whom do believe it. They're out there saying this. I want to blow you Dean Obadella. He's on MSNBC. He's a, a fringy partisan Democrat. Listen to this, and he's one of the people, unlike Jamie Raskin, and Jamie Raskin, who believes one of the hallmarks of fascism is claiming legitimate elections were stolen. Jamie Raskin claimed that the 2000 election was stolen and and tried to block certification of the Electoral College in 2016. No one in the media is holding him to account. But listen to Dean Obadella. I guarantee you the guy actually believes what he's saying here, even though it sounds hysterical. I think he was reading my tweets, Joy. I'm pretty sure that's what did it. I've been... I've been tweeting for over a year. Daily reminder, today's GOP is no longer a political movement. It is a fascist movement that has embraced white nationalism and wants to impose its religious beliefs as law. Boom. Shorthand, we call it GOP. We're dealing with a movement, as President Biden talked about, that political violence and cult worship is how democracies die. MAGA is how democracies die. And I'll just say last thing, I'm glad President Biden tried to sort of walk that gap between here are good Republicans and there's still some. And then here's MAGA. So it's no longer Republicans versus Democrats. It's Americans versus MAGA. And that's the fight in the framing I'd like to see going forward. America versus MAGA, except all the Republicans that Joe Biden says are good Republicans are the Republicans who are no longer in the Republican Party, who have decided to go to the Democratic Party and their social left liberalism. This is Biden over the weekend in Pennsylvania again, or Wisconsin, actually, I think this one was. This is not your father's Republican Party. This is a totally different party, man. These guys are different. I've worked with a lot of Republicans, conservative Republicans I work with. Got a lot done, and we, but it was always, there was always something decent about the work. But then we moved to this place where all of a sudden, the reason it made me run, I decided was when you saw those people coming out of the fields down in Virginia carrying torches, literally coming out of the fields carrying torches with swastikas, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile that was chanted in literally the same anti-Semitic bile chanted in Germany in the 30s, accompanied by the Ku Klux Klan. And the guy that uh, I beat in this last election, and when they asked what he thought, he said there were really fine people on both sides. Taking um, Donald Trump out of context, and these people weren't really coming out of fields in Virginia, but it doesn't matter. You get the point there. 
Essentially, they're trying to run their closing argument in 2022 is that you can't vote for Republicans because you're voting for a Nazi-like party. The reality is the Democrats can't offer you anything else because the economy is as screwed up as it is. The economy is so screwed up. The Democrats can't run on the economy. They can't run on their record. They tried to pass the Inflation Reduction Act, and now they're talking about it as a climate bill. At a time the power is going out in California and everybody's trying to force you into an electric car, good luck with that messaging, Democrats. And now you've got quantitative tightening coming. You've got higher interest rates coming in, uh, later this month. you got all of these problems headed into November with a recession brewing, and the Democrats, uh, all they've got left is to try to convince you to hate the Republicans so much that you're voting for them, the, the the Democrats, and I need you to understand they don't actually believe it themselves. They are playing with your emotions. Otherwise, they would not have given $50 million to these very candidates they say are a threat to democracy. They would not have given that money to those candidates, touting them, running ads on their behalf, if they didn't truly believe or if, if they actually believe what they were saying. They wouldn't do that, and yet they did. So this is all cynical politics, toying with your emotions, progressives, and you should at least be willing to admit that. But I bet a lot of you can't. That's a problem. The other problem with all of this stuff, of course, is the economy. And what is quantitative tightening going to do? And how is that going? I, I suspect where the recession tipping point is going to be in January, not November, but everything's already slowing down. If you're worried about your retirement and the impact on it, you may want to reach out to my friends at GoldCo and see if they can help you. Particularly if you've got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement savings, you can call them at, at 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Gold Co. 855-904-5933. See how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation, stock market crashes. They want to be able to help you as well. It's 855-904-5933. Or you can just text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, Text it to 33777. Text Eric to 33777. I will send you back Gold Coast toll-free number. You can reach out to them and see if they'd be a good partner with you and helping you with your retirement. Hello there. Welcome back. Uh, I guess I should comment a moment on the situation abroad. Um, Liz Truss is the new prime minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, she met this morning with the queen who asked her to form a government. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, when one prime minister departs, before a new prime minister arrives, literally all the power of the government reverts to the queen. Every bit of power is hers until she gives it to a new prime minister. Now, Usually this only happens, there's like a 24 or 48 hour gap. This was a matter of hours or, or maybe even an hour. But what's so noticeable here is that Liz Truss grew up a liberal Democrat. That's like being a Democrat and then becoming a Republican later in life, becoming from being a liberal to a conservative, which happens. Ronald Reagan was a liberal Democrat, became the, the icon, standard bearer of the conservative movement and a Republican. She's also a Margaret Thatcher fan. 
But here is history being made uh, today across the Atlantic uh, for the very first time in history, uh, the four primary offices of state will not be held by white men. That is uh, the, the chancellor, the foreign secretary, and the home secretary, and the prime minister, the four great offices of state in Great Britain. They will all be held by uh, either women or non-white men. And what's so remarkable here is that they're not even going to make a big deal out of it because the prime minister believes that there's no need to make a big deal about uh, someone's color or gender. They should be judged on their accomplishments, which is a very conservative thing to do. She's a big libertarian tax cutter, Liz Trust, the the new prime minister there. She wants to cut taxes and deregulate to stimulate the British economy. And in the light of European bureaucracy, the way she thinks that the British can juxtapose themselves against the continent now is to make Britain a better place to do business by streamlining its regulations, getting rid of a lot of European Union regulations still in place in Great Britain, and uh, getting the economy to be more efficient. She's deeply troubled about inflation and energy in Great Britain. They are headed into a very serious crisis. We're headed into some crises here with power and the like. Uh, the British and the Europeans are really headed towards a very dark place this winter as power prices soar across the continent and in Great Britain. They've relied so much on Russia, and Russia's now cut off the natural gas supply until sanctions are lifted, which they're not going to do. It's remarkable to see just how badly they've got it. And by the way, Donald Trump warned them this was going to happen, and they all mocked him and laughed at him for saying it was going to happen, and his prediction has come true.